0: we begin with this. Christ has risen. Does anybody just want to say amen to this? That they have felt the spirit and the presence and the person of Jesus here this morning? Amen. amen. You want to just... And this is a good thing, obviously. Because here's what I believe Easter is about, okay? Here's what I believe Easter is about. That it is not just about us seeking and finding Christ. Easter really is about Christ seeking and finding us. Amen? that he always puts the first step forward. He always initiates everything. He's the one and the reason that we are here. It is not because of you or I. It is only and always because of him. This is why today is such a day of celebration and goodness and new life. This is why today we can actually celebrate if you're a follower of Jesus. Because you want to know what Paul tells us? That the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, dwells in us Anyone want to say that is good news? Amen. Amen. Right? The same power that conquered death, that kicks into the curb, that overcame evil and all of that, that same resurrection power dwells in you if you're a follower of Christ. If you know him, if you've accepted him, that that's a part of who you are. And today, today, if you're not a follower of Christ, I'm also incredibly grateful that you are here and I have good news for you as well. That if you accept Jesus, you can have that same resurrection power within you as well. So today, what I want to take a look at is really that big idea I just said. I want to take a look at how, especially on Easter, that it's not up to us to find Jesus, but really what Jesus does at Easter is that he comes and he finds us, wherever we might be at. And I want to show you this from the text. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke 24. We've already heard some of these stories from the videos But I'm going to read to you the text, and we're going to work it through as always. And today I want to really notice kind of one big idea, one big point here today. Okay, we read this. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared from them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified, and they bowed down with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead from someone who is alive? Why are you looking from the living among the dead? Because Jesus Christ is alive. Amen? Amen. He is alive. That's why we are here today. And he continues. He says, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember. Remember. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. And then they remembered all that Jesus had said. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of Jesus, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. That what we see here is that the women become like the first evangelists of the good news. They become the first people to share the good news. The guys, sorry, this is in the text too. The guys don't fare so great in this text, in case you didn't know, okay? Because this is literally the next verse. What do we read? What do we read? It's so, I love the Bible. It's so honest, right? It's so honest. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter, Peter jumped up and he ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and he saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. This is, really, this is really where the Easter story begins. And in this story, we see three different reactions to Easter, to the resurrection. And these three stories are reactions. They might be some of the reactions you might be having as well. That with the women, what we see first of all is really they respond with faith, with trust, with excitement, with a willingness to share the good news with those around them. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you're just excited and in a celebratory mood and that is good and that is right and that is holy on Easter. That might be the space that you are in. But that's not the only reaction to Easter we see in the text. The other reaction we see is really doubt and confusion and denial, right? That what does the text say about the men? They they kind of thought it all sounded like nonsense to them. And you might be in that space actually. You might think that this idea that someone can come back from the dead, it just is a little bit too much for you to believe. It's maybe too hard for you to believe. It just sounds maybe to you like nonsense. If it sounds that way to you, uh, I just want to say this, that you are welcome here and welcome with your doubts because on the first Easter, there were people there welcomed with their doubts. So I just don't think that changes, right? I don't think that changes. The third reaction we see is Peter. Peter is hopeful, but he's unsure, right? What does the text say? He runs to the tomb to investigate for himself, and he leaves wondering and wrestling. And you might be in any one of those three places today, full of faith and trusting and wanting to proclaim the good news, maybe doubting and unsure, or maybe hopeful, but still investigating and trying to work out who Jesus is to you. But today, I don't want to focus in on these reactions because there's a fourth reaction. And the fourth reaction seems most important to me because in the fourth reaction, we're going to see where Jesus shows up for the very first time. Notice so far in the text, has Jesus shown up at all? No, he hasn't. It's been proclaimed. It's been shared. But has he actually shown up to anyone yet? No. And here's what I think, okay? At least at Easter, we should pay attention to when Jesus shows up first. Amen? Amen. Right? Like, what he does first likely matters most. Right? What he does first would matter most. So I want to continue on in the story and to see a fourth reaction. Because the fourth reaction isn't trusting, you know, um, being unsure and doubting or wondering. The fourth reaction is actually to reject faith and to walk away from faith. Listen to what we read next. That same day, that same day. Two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Now here, here, Luke is really doing a pretty big shift actually. It's shifting from kind of the hope of the previous passage to now something a bit more darker and troubled. Because when he says that they are leaving Jerusalem, This is not a comment on geography. This is actually a comment on their faith trajectory. That in leaving Jerusalem and walking away, what they are literally doing is they are walking away from their faith. They are walking away from Jesus. They are walking away from really all that they have known. They are going back home. They are giving up. We know this actually. Because in a few verses what we will read is that these two people... They heard of the women's reports. They knew that Jesus had rose again. They'd heard that he was alive again, but to them, it just wasn't enough anymore. So they turned away and started to walk home. They started to leave faith. And this is the reaction I want to take a look at today. It's not often the reaction that we focus on, especially at Easter. At Easter, we often focus in on the women with the victory and the triumph and the trust, or the Apostle John, who has the same reaction But the way that Luke structures his telling is that he wants to focus in on these two people who seem to be lost, hurting, wandering, and unsure of really anything. And that's what I want to explore today. What I really want to take a look at, here's the question that I want to explore, is what is Jesus' response to us when we are lost, wandering, or walking away? That's what I want to take a look at today. What is Jesus' response to us when we are lost, hurting, wandering, walking away, rejecting faith? Whatever it may be, and here's why I think this matters for all of us, because we can be honest in church, amen. <laughs> How many of you can be honest? And I'm going to put up my hand. You don't have to put up your hand. I'm just going to say this, okay? How many of you can be honest and say at some point in your life you've maybe walked away from Jesus or walked down the wrong road? How many of you ever experienced that sort of thing before? Right? You don't have to put up your hand for this one for sure. There also might be people here today who are currently walking away or unsure about Jesus. Or to broaden this question out even further broaden this question any further. For many of us, I know this to be true, that we would know family, friends, loved ones, a child maybe, who has walked away from faith. I think it is a good idea to discover what is Jesus's response when we actually walk away from things, when it all seems too much, when maybe grief and hurt and burnout and all of that coincide, and we're just like, I can't keep doing this anymore that's what we're going to see in this text. Jesus showing up to two guys, or actually it might have been a guy and a, and a woman, um, just who are leaving, and we are unsure about where they are going. So let's continue on reading this. It says this, so Jesus uh, comes to these people. This is this, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Listen to that. As they were walking and talking, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them. So this is simple, but we should pay attention to the text. Who are the very first people that Jesus shows up to after his resurrection? Two people who are deconstructing, doubting, unsure, and walking away from faith, to the hurting and to the lost, right? These are the very first people Jesus shows up to. And if you're not a Christian, I'm telling you that if I had read and understand this verse when I was in that space, this verse would almost be enough to make me me want to be a Christian. Because this is so beautiful. Like, think about it. Jesus has just done the most amazing, miraculous, like, life-changing, world-altering event ever. And then what does he do? He goes and he finds two people who are hurt and and burned out. And he just walks with them. He just walks with them. He doesn't force anything upon them. He doesn't coerce them, right? He just walks, listens, and talks with them. That's what we're going to see. Jesus shows up, and what is he, this is his response. This is what he, first thing he does, he says this. What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? He asks a question. He asks a question. Now, of course, Jesus as the Savior and as God knows exactly what these two people are talking about. But Jesus wants to know himself. Like, think about this. If Jesus wanted to right? This sounds kind of frivolous, but it's true. If Jesus wanted to, he could have shown up and been like, surprise, I'm alive, right? Like, he could have done that. He could have kind of, like, forced faith upon them, but he doesn't. He doesn't, because this is how our Lord and Savior seeks and saves the lost, by walking, joining, and listening. That's how he saves people, by walking, joining, and listening. So he comes, and he starts a conversation right? And let's see what, how, where it goes. It says this, they stop short, sadness written across their faces. Sadness because their hope is gone. Sadness because they have given up and they are walking away. And then one of them, Cleopas replied, and honestly, sometimes the Bible's really funny, okay? It just is. Listen to this. Like, like this is, it makes me laugh. Sure. Cleopas replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. Right? He's like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but there's this guy named Jesus, and he died, right? And if you don't think that Jesus has a sense of humor, like, oh my gosh, listen to this next verse. This is Jesus' response. It's perfect, right? Cleophas says, you must be the only person who hasn't heard about all the things. Jesus responds with, what things? Right? Like, as if, as if the guy who has died and crucified and buried and rose again doesn't know what's going on. Now here, now here, I do not believe in any way, shape, or form that Jesus is being deceitful. Do you want to know what he's being? Compassionate. Compassionate. He wants to know where these two people are at. He wants to listen to them. He wants to hear from them. Of course he knows what's going on and he knows what's in their hearts, but he wants them to share it with him. He wants them to share it with him. So he says, what things? And they continue, and they say this. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, They said he was a prophet who did mighty mighty miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. And listen, listen to this heartbreaking, heartbreaking verse. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. We had hoped. We had placed our trust in him. We had placed our faith in him. We had hoped, but we hope no longer. That's the space they're in. And this is one of the most difficult places to be if you've ever been in it. The space that they're in is one of the hardest burdens, actually of true believers who could no longer believe. They've seen the miracles, they knew who he was, and now it's like the hope is just gone. It's like their faith is just faded. It's like their heart is just full of emptiness, difficulty, and strife. We know this because of what they say next. It says this, then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and he came back with an amazing report. They said his body is missing, and they have seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. You see, they hear the reports, don't they? They know of them, but it just isn't, like enough for them and I don't know I don't know if you've ever been in a space like this where faith feels like hard and sharp and unsure and fragile where maybe your hope just feels like ashes where nothing seems to kind of work out I know in my own life I've been there a number of times where maybe I'm not walking towards Jesus but actually walking away instead one of those times where I was in that space of just not really believing anything and certainly not walking closer to Jesus one of those times was almost 13 years to the day today Because 13 years ago do you want know I did 13 years ago I preached my very first Easter message when I was really unsure of about everything at that moment When well, if I were to be honest with you just before I got up to speak I was certainly like I'd be like these guys walking away from Jerusalem Because here's what happened as I've shared with you before uh, my dad had passed away but that really wasn't what caused me to have a crisis of faith What caused me to have a crisis of faith, actually, was how people in the church responded to my dad's death, to me. Because if you are like a true believer in church, church has a unique way to deeply hurt you and to cause you to question your faith. Because sometimes what ends up happening when Christians don't act like Christ is you might lose your faith in the church and that gets translated to Jesus, actually. And that was the space I was in. I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think I want to do this anymore. Krista, my wife, who is wise, as you all know, and the better one of the two of us, uh, she made me promise, and this was a good vow, that I would make no big, massive, life-changing decisions for a year. Because she said, you know what, in the midst of like grief and deconstruction, this isn't a good time to be making life-altering decisions. And so a few weeks before Easter, I had not preached in my church for months and months and months. In fact, I think the last time I would preached was actually at my dad's funeral. And I get a phone call from the church leadership, and they said, we had another pastor on staff, it was kind of like me and him, they said, the other pastor who was scheduled to preach on Easter is out, and you're in, like, kind of good luck, you have like seven days or something. I've got to tell you, for my first Easter message, I wanted a little bit more than seven days. Also because I was in this space of like unsure and just like, just everything felt kind of empty and hard, and it was really difficult. So I share this with you today because when I'm hearing the story of Jesus walking with these two disciples, for me, this is not some theory. This is actually something I've experienced. This is a place I have been in, and perhaps you have been too. And I want to see what Jesus does because whatever Jesus does then, here's what I believe, he's going to do today, amen, that Jesus doesn't actually change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So I wanna take a look at how does Jesus respond. Let's keep working through this passage together. Says this, Jesus said to them, we're gonna unpack this because um, it can get the wrong tone. Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took some of them uh, took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures all the things concerning himself. Now I want to unpack that first phrase there, you foolish people. Because you can read that in like a condemning and a harsh tone, and you are wrong, okay? I'll just say that. <laughs> That's not the right way to read it, okay? I want to tell you why I think that. First of all, first of all, that doesn't really line up with Jesus' character. It certainly does not line up with how he has been acting in this passage, right? Patient, kind, asking questions, listening, that the word in Greek is the word and what it literally means, and foolish is an okay translation, but it really just signifies not getting something, right? You're saying it just signifies not getting something. And as I said, we can be honest, here, these two disciples are clearly not getting something, right? They're complaining about the death of the Messiah and how Jesus is a failed Messiah to the Messiah, right? (laughs) Like they clearly aren't picking up on all of it. This is why, this is why, like N.T. Wright translates this passage as like, oh, oh you foolish people. Not in a condemning way, but you're just not seeing it. Or Eugene Peterson's I think is the best actually, where he just says this, oh you slow hearted people. You slow hearted people. Because I know if you've walked with Jesus long enough, you might be able to say this, that there are moments where you've been walking with Jesus and he's been walking with you and you didn't see it, right? That's what's going on here. So Jesus isn't being condemning. He's just saying, oh, like you're not getting it. And so he starts to explain to them the scriptures and what was meant to happen. And this is beautiful. This is beautiful too, because this is just true. If you are in deep difficulty, suffering, pain, and challenge, what you don't need is cliches. What you need is someone to walk with you, to listen to you, right? To ask some questions and to maybe help you to reframe things in like a new perspective. That's what happens here. That's what Jesus does. He gives them a new perspective on things. It doesn't change the grief that they went through, but now they see it like a little bit differently. Let's read what continues to happen. So Jesus took them through the writings of the Moses and the prophets, explaining scripture to them. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed, and he acted as if he was going to go on, but they pressed him, "Stay and have supper with us." It is nearly evening, the day is done. It was like they're having such a good conversation. If you've ever been out like maybe with friends that like it was just perfect and you kind of didn't want the night to end, that's kind of what's going on here. They're like, no, we don't want it to be done. Please come with us. So Jesus went in with them because this is true. This is just true. If you invite Jesus in, he will accept your invitation. He will meet with you. He will not reject you, right? Like that's what's going on here. So he went in with them and here's what happened. He sat down at the table with them, taking the bread. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And at that moment, listen to this, I love this. Open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. And then he disappeared. And then he disappeared. Yeah. Because here's what happens they go back into their home, back into their normal rituals and rhythms of eating and breaking, but they are not the same. They've actually been changed through meeting with Jesus. They've actually had their eyes opened in a new way. They're actually new people in some sense. So because of that, now they recognize Jesus, and he leaves, not because Jesus is like a quick vanishing act. That's <laughs> not so what's going on there, right? He leaves because his work is done with them. He leaves because his work is done with them. Because where were they walking? Away from Jerusalem, not believing in anything. And they encounter him, and they are changed by him. And the verse says directly next, their next response is to run back to Jerusalem and to tell everybody what they just experienced that they're left changed. And how do they know they're changed? They talk about their hearts actually like being on fire, about their hearts being burning, like they sensed that something different was going on. Listen to their words, not my paraphrase of it. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire, or didn't our hearts feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road, as he opened up the scriptures for us? That one of the ways you can start to pay attention to the presence and the person of Jesus is when your heart actually seems to be attuned a little bit on fire, where you sense something deeper, bigger, more compassionate, more life-giving around you. And the story comes to a close. Now, I know this morning, we've taken some time with this, but I wanted to take time with this, because as I said at the beginning, I just think that what Jesus does first probably matters most, right? And here we see the very first thing that, according to Jesus, is a priority, that, according to Jesus, he wants to do is that when he resurrects, what's the first thing he does? Is he goes and he finds those who are hurt, lost, wandering, and walking away, and he shows up to them, and he reveals his presence to them. Let me say this. This is good news, amen? Amen. It is good news. It is good news for you, your family, your friends, your neighbors, the world. It is good news for each and every one of us. Because if you have ever been in a space where you are walking away, where grief just seems too much, or maybe where faith seems really fragile and gone, what you know is that you are the kind of person Jesus shows up to, okay? If you have ever been in one of those spaces where you just don't think I can keep going, what you know is that Jesus walks with you. And if you know someone who has maybe turned their back on him and walked away, what you also know with absolute certainty from this passage, Jesus will seek and find them too. This is good news for everyone. This is good news for everyone. So today, what is my main point? Because there is always a main point. My main point today is simple, and it's just from the text. It's just like the first thing that Jesus does. It's just this, that Jesus seeks us and finds us and walks with us, even even if we're walking away. That our God is just that good. Amen? He's just that good. He is just that good. That Jesus seeks us, finds us, and walks with us, even, even if we are walking away. What does this mean for us practically? Because I always want to make sure we don't come here for like information, but for transformation. Right? What does this mean for us practically? Well, I'm going to share with you what it might mean if you're a follower of Christ, and then if you're not a follower of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, you know what I think this should do within us. You don't know what I think the right response is, especially for Easter. Gratitude and thanks. Right? Gratitude and thanks. Because here's what I know: this is theologically true and accurate. Okay that there's no way for you to come to know Jesus without him first choosing to walk with you, right? That he found you first before any of our responses, that he always takes the step towards us. So I think the right response for us, if we're a follower of Jesus, is to reflect and to be grateful for when Jesus has walked with us, for when he has shown up in our lives, for when he has surprised us and we least expected it. That what I want to invite you to do is this, I want to invite you to reflect over your life and to say, are there times where Jesus walked alongside with you? You might not have known it at the moment. You might not have seen it then. You might have felt alone. But are there moments and times where Jesus has shown up for you? And maybe you needed it the most. For me, that happened 13 years ago. I got up to preach. Unsure of what I believed. Not a great space to be at Easter, to be honest. And I have to tell you, while I was speaking, while I was sharing, it's like the disciples said, my heart seemed to be like on fire again in a new way. It's like God showed up in a new way. I am telling you, that one moment crystallized so much about who I am and why uh, God is with me and all this sort of stuff that for me, without that moment, I'm not sure I would still be preaching and teaching today. But because of that moment, because he showed up for me when I was walking away and unsure, I am here today. That what I want to share with you is the good news that I too have experienced, that Jesus finds us wherever we are at. That he chases after people. That he is not like a reluctant or a stingy God. He walks with people, he joins, he listens, he cares, and he does show up. So if you're a follower of Christ, I wanna invite you, reflect on when that's happened for you. Might you be able to name that? I wanna push it kind of one step forward, okay? The next thing I wanna invite you to do is not only reflect on that moment, but would you be willing to share that moment with someone else? To do kind of what I just did, and to also do what those two disciples on the road to Emmaus did. That the only reason we know this is because they shared it, right? Is because they must have shared it with someone else and said, this is what has happened in my life. Might you today be filled with gratitude and gratefulness for what God has done in your life, but also have a willingness and a courage to share it. If you're a follower of Jesus, I think that's the right, I don't know, like Easter response, right? Gratefulness and a willing to share. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, you know what I want to invite you to do? I want to invite you to do the same thing. I want to invite you to pay attention in your life And to see, do you notice the presence of Jesus or God in your life? Because I believe unquestionably true that he is walking with you because he finds those who are walking away. Have there been moments of compassion? Have there been moments of peace you can't really name? Have there been moments where all of a sudden your heart feels different, connected to something bigger? I want to name to you that that is the person and the presence of Jesus Christ. I want to invite you, if you don't know him, to accept him here today. Okay? Because there is no better day to accept Jesus than on Easter of all days. And the beautiful thing, it's not hard at all because He is already walking with you. So, today, what is my main point? It is just simple that Jesus seeks us and finds us and shows up when we're walking away. That's the very first thing He did 2,000 years ago, and I still think He's in the habit of doing it today, okay? Because He doesn't change. He doesn't change. So, that means He is here with us and He's here with you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, reflect on that. When has he shown up? And share that. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to accept Jesus Christ. Because he is alive, he is here, and he wants to walk with you. And he wants to open your heart to bigger and better things than you've ever experienced. This is what I want to share with you today. That Jesus comes to seek and find every one of us. And this, my friends, this is good news. Let's pray. God, I ask, wherever we might be at today, might we know your presence? Might we be able to pay attention to our hearts? Might it be like they said in that text, that their hearts were on fire? Might we feel an opening and a loosening and a freeing within our body, soul, and spirits, Lord? I pray we become aware of your presence that is just gently walking with each and every one of us, that you join with us, you ask questions, you don't force, but you invite May we accept your invitation here today? If we are a follower of you, might we name those places where we have actually sensed you? If we're not a follower of Jesus, might we pray and accept you here in this moment because you are a good, you're a good God who walks with us. And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.